This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for being here. Parables of Jesus, Love and Forgiveness. I suppose this is one of a series, isn't it? But we may as well go over ground which probably has been um, dealt with before. What is a parable? And if we looked up in the dictionary, it probably would say it's a story with a meaning or with a moral. Um, I guess that's true to a degree in the scriptures. I think when we look at the parables of Jesus, there's a little bit more to it than that. I would categorize his parables into two, two parts. Some parables were um, about behavior and others about the kingdom of God and um, how to get into it. That's in a nutshell really, um, the kingdom of God and our own personal behavior. That's what those parables of Jesus were about. Um, so we've got the most incredibly simple structure to um, our, our talks today. We're going to look at two parables, one about forgiveness, one about love. Before we get there, though, I just want to, us to think about parables in the Bible. Um, and we think about parables of love and forgiveness, say, for example, in the Old Testament. They might not be explicitly written as parables. They might just be stories or narrative in the text. And think to yourself of maybe some parables of love and forgiveness in the Old Testament. Well, I had to think. My first one that I came up was with was in Genesis chapter 3 three chapters into the Bible and God clothed Adam and Eve with coats of skins and that was an act of love and forgiveness it covered their sin their disobedience to him so in a sense that whole incident of Adam and Eve disobeying God and God forgiving them there is a parable in itself just in a narrative again we could, we could pick up many of these in the Old Testament we think of um, Esau forgiving Jacob when they got together as, as brothers they were great rivals and we've got the story of how they came back together and were reconciled that was a parable if you like of love and forgiveness on both sides Joseph again in Genesis such a, a great story of how Joseph was mistreated as a young man by his brothers thrown down a pit and left to die then brought out of that pit and sold as a slave into Egypt. And yet we've got at the end of Genesis the reconciliation again of Joseph revealing himself to his brothers and forgiving them. Um, so we've got in our scriptures many, many parables. It's, it's not What I'm trying to say is it's not um, something we should struggle to understand. In fact, God in the Old Testament talks about Israel as an unfaithful wife. Um, who God forgave and forgave and forgave time and, time and again and brought back to him. So when we come to the teaching of Jesus, which is what we're looking at this afternoon, then I'm sure Jesus knew his scriptures. I'm sure he knew these Old Testament passages and he would draw on them um, to come up with his teaching, and his, his parables himself. Um, for example... In the Old Testament, there's a parable about Israel as a vineyard, which God hedged about and looked after and watered and nurtured, um, describing his people, Israel. 
Um, and this is Jesus picks this straight out. We're going to look at um, a parable about a vineyard. So let's open our Bibles, please, at Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> just before we get to these two parables that I want us to focus on, let's just have a look at the teaching of Jesus. And just, just to set, set these two parables in context, because it goes, it's right at the heart of Jesus' message, really, this idea of love and forgiveness. And here we have in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus' doctrine and teaching, his message, and very clear teaching here in verse 43. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, Jesus says, You have heard in the law, in the Jewish law, you have heard that it hath been said, You shall love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he makes his sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So, this is right at the heart of Jesus' teaching, and his doctrine is, he says in verse 44, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for those who do bad things to you. So, if we're talking about love and forgiveness, this was what Jesus preached in his doctrine. And it's very, very clear, isn't it? Look in verse 46. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans, or the average man on the street, don't they do the same? If you salute your brethren only, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect so Jesus is the heart of his message is to love one another even our enemies so that's the, that's the sort of background the context to Jesus teaching now let's have a look at our first parable and it's in Matthew chapter 18 it's what we've just read together and our first parable is about forgiveness and I suppose really this falls into the category of behaviour how, how are we going to behave in our lives as servants of the Lord Jesus Christ as trying to follow God's teaching so what I'd like to do really is just break this section down um, into four parts three, three stages, it's like three acts and then at the end there's a lesson or a moral for us um, but first of all well, let's just set this in context and the context here is in verse 21 now this parable we're going to go through together is about forgiveness and really it's not Jesus answers a question with the parable but let's read the question first verse 21 then came Peter to Jesus and said Lord how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him seven times Jesus saith unto him I say not unto thee until seven times but until seventy times seven so this is the context Peter comes to him and says how many times do I have to forgive my brother and you can imagine can't we we've all got brothers or sisters how many times do we have to put up with our brothers or sister doing something to us seven times and I suppose Peter probably thought seven times that's quite a patient generous kind of long suffering brotherly thing to do isn't it seven times forgive you seven times but what does Jesus say in verse 22 not 
Uh, say not unto you seven times. Don't, don't stop at seven times. But until seventy times seven. Now I don't think Jesus was asking Peter to times seventy by seven. And come up with four, Forgive somebody four hundred and ninety times. Keep a score. Make sure you know where you're up to. And when you just cross that threshold. Then stop forgiving them. Jesus is saying stop counting. Stop counting. You must always forgive your brother, your sister. As many times as you need to. So that's the context of this parable now we're going to look at together. And what we need to, I suppose, set in this context is to understand that it's about forgiveness. And it's about how we should forgive one another. And really it pricks us to the heart, doesn't it, this parable? Because we're all a little bit like one of the characters. So let's, let's go through then. And we're going to read first, the first act, if you like, the first part of this parable. And let's just try and get into the heart of what Jesus was getting at when he talked about forgiveness. So verse 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, which will be on earth, it will just be heavenly. The kingdom of God likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. When he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and his children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. So let's just stop there for a minute. That's the first sort of part of this story, isn't it? This parable. And what's happening here? Well, we read in verse 23 that there is a king and he's got servants and he comes to take account of them in verse 23. He wants to know what they have done in his um, serving, serving him. And verse 24, we have this one servant, when he begun to reckon, he owed him 10,000 talents. Now, I don't know how many of you know how much 10,000 talents is. Any, any ideas? Over a million? Any any higher than a million? Eight hundred million. Eight hundred million. Any other offers? I've just got an unpayable debt. Right. Good. You've been reading my notes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I believe it's somewhere between one hundred and fifty and two hundred thousand years' wages. So it's billions, basically, in our in our in our um, currency. And yes. It's an unpayable debt, isn't it? He couldn't ne- he, no matter how hard he worked for the rest of his life, he could never pay this debt off. And that's really the point here. It was an unpayable debt. The other thing to notice, I think, here is in verse 24 and 23, that this king, he holds his servants accountable, doesn't he? He says he began to reckon. Um, he would take account of his servants. So this king, whoever it is, as we will come to find out that it's God himself he expects payment he expects an account from every one of us and we're involved in this in this parable too so this man, this servant had an unpayable debt, so what does he do? well he throws himself on the mercy doesn't he, of this king in verse 26, he fell down and worshipped him, now that's the actions of somebody who knows he's in the wrong he cannot pay this off he falls down and basically says, make me, I'll be your slave. 
Do whatever you want. Have patience with me. Now we might think, might we, this, this is an unpayable debt. How could the king do anything here other than just punish him? And really this is the love here that we get interspersed with, the, with this parable of forgiveness in verse 27. Because the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. So this is, as we're going to realise, this king who represents God here, this Lord, he forgives him. He's moved with compassion. And that says a lot about the God of the Bible. He's a compassionate, loving God who will forgive us an unpayable debt, as we'll see. So then, that's the first stage, or the first act of this parable. This poor servant who has been forgiven this unpayable debt. Now, you'll notice a lot, quite often in these parables, there is a but quite often in this, and there is in our second parable. Because in verse 28, but that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. And again, any idea for the, for the hundred pence? What might that be in today's money? More than a pound? Fifteen hundred pounds. Fifteen hundred pounds. Well, I believe it's a day's wage. So that's quite a good day's wage in my, uh, my book. <laughs> so it's a day's wage. So this is something that could be paid off quite easily. Um, might take a bit of time. But a, a day's wage is certainly not something which is unpayable, is it? So this same servant found one of his fellow servants who owed him less than a day's wage and he, we carry on reading in verse 28 he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying pay me that thou owest and his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him saying have patience with me and I will pay thee all and he would not but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt now, there's a couple of things here really is that this was an easily payable debt Okay, which this servant could have quite easily given this man time to pay it off. The second thing is, just look at how aggressive he is and the physical violence here in verse 28. He laid hands on him and took him by the throat. Now we don't read of that, do we, in the way that the Lord had, um, he commanded him to be sold, his children and his family, and payment to be made. So there's a bit of a difference here, isn't there, in the way that this servant is treating his fellow servant. And yet, in verse 29, we have exactly the same reaction, don't we, from the fellow servant. He says exactly the same to this servant as the original servant had said to his Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And he actually could afford to do that, couldn't he, with time. So really the alarm bells, the conscience should have been pricked here, shouldn't it, of this servant. Because he's heard this before, hadn't he? From his own mouth. He had said these exact words. And he should have had his conscience pricked and forgiven him. But, verse 30 we read, He would not, but went and cast him into prisons, till he should pay the debt. So that's the second stage, really, isn't it? And it's a sad story, this really, isn't it? Because, as we're going to find out, this is what we're like. This is our human nature. This is teaching about our behaviour. Because sometimes we're a bit like this, aren't we? So let's carry on reading verse 31. And really this is where we're going to see justice done. This is where we're going to see God's justice um, and accountability come through in the end. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry. 
They could see what was happening. They came and told their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because you desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So here we've got justice, haven't we? We've got accountability. We have got condemnation here. We've got uh, the sentence, if you like, for this original servant. And the, it's quite obvious, isn't it, from verse 32 and 33, that his Lord expected him to show the same mercy and forgiveness that he had been shown himself. And we see in verse 34, he was delivered to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Well, we know he couldn't pay. So that was basically um, a punishment which would just go on until the end of his life. Now, the point really is in verse 35. And we will get these nice little simple end verses to all these parables where we have to suddenly relate it, the parables and the stories to us. What does it mean for us? Because Jesus is talking to us now in verse 35. Where he says, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. And that's, that's really the moral, isn't it, of this story? Is that we have to forgive others as we have been forgiven by God. And I'm sure we know what this means now. The Lord is God. He has forgiven us, who are the first servant an unpayable debt, a debt of sin, which we can never rectify ourselves. We can never pay that debt back. But he's forgiven us because he's provided the Lord Jesus Christ to be that sacrifice for sin. So how are we going to behave in our lives? It's about behaviour, this. It's about forgiveness. Are we going to forgive our brother and our sister, everybody we meet, for the things they do wrong to us because the way that we've been forgiven? So that's our first parable. The second one is just over the page. You come over please to Matthew 20. And we want to think now about the, the love of God. Now you might think this is a bit of a strange parable to choose. Because it's not probably the most obvious parable we would have chosen. Um, we might have thought of the prodigal son maybe. And the love and compassion that the father shows to um, his son. But I chose this um, parable here because... Really, it just highlights the difference between man and God and how different we are in character. And it shows the love of God and the generosity of God. Because this, this parable is about the kingdom. And it's what I want to show really is the love of God in wanting us to be in his kingdom. So then, let's um, split this one up again in Matthew 20. Um, and we'll start at verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven... The kingdom of God is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire labourers into his vineyard. When he had agreed with the labourers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. He went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Again he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man has hired us. 
He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard. Whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when, they, when even was come, the lord of the vineyard saith unto the steward, Call the labourers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. Now, that's the first stage of this parable. And what I want to just point out here is, just look at the owner of this vineyard and how much effort he puts in to getting workers into his vineyard. What does he do in verse 1? He's a householder which went out early in the morning. So he's going out, he's setting out early. He wants people to come and work for him early in the morning. He goes out in verse 3, doesn't he, in the third hour. And again in verse 5, the sixth and the ninth hour. And in verse 6 again, the eleventh hour. Now this parable really is about God wanting men and women to be in his kingdom. To come and work for him and to, to live on the earth serving him forever. And the point I, I take from this parable, from, those, from the way that this householder who represents God here, is that he goes out every hour of the day. He's calling constantly. He, he calls us to be in his kingdom and God has done that throughout history, throughout the ages. We have the opportunity freely to read his word, to learn about the kingdom of God and to try and be part of it. So that really shows the love and the kindness of God, that he reaches out to you and me. And as we'll see later on, there are those who may be a bit more deserving than those, um, a bit less deserving. But God is he's just and fair and he calls us all. Now what is, how does he conduct his business, this householder? If we have a look in verse 4 again, he says, Go into the vineyard and whatsoever is right I will give you. Now that means whatsoever is just and fair and reasonable, God is going to, this householder is going to pay them. And did you notice as well, he says in verse 3, he saw others standing idle. And that's quite an interesting idea, isn't it, to think that God is reaching out to those people who are standing idle, who maybe are a bit undeserving. And, you know, we put ourselves in this category. We don't deserve to be in God's kingdom, but he still comes and looks for those who are standing idle in their lives now let's move on then to verse 9 um, and when this is this is the crux isn't it when the workers are going to get paid and it's payday and you know this is an interesting concept in even in our society isn't it when payday comes around and we all get you know very confidential about everyone else's pay don't we um because we don't like to know somebody else on the, doing the same job is getting paid more than us. Well, what happens here? Verse 9. They that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought just one hour, and you have made them equal to us. And we have borne the burden and the heat of the day. And he answered them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is and go your way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil? Because I am good. And this is a classic, um, a classic case, isn't it, of Jesus discerning our human nature because hasn't every one of us looked at somebody else in the workplace 
or in a social setting and, and thought, that's not fair. I deserve something a bit more than the person next to me. And what had happened here, these people had worked all the day. They had worked through the lunch hour, hadn't they? Through the heat of the Middle Eastern sun. But the key here, isn't it, is in verse 10, where it says, But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And isn't this human nature? Isn't this human rights? I deserve more. I deserve more than the person next to me. So this, I love this parable really for the way that Jesus just cuts into our understanding what human beings are like. Because every one of us has thought like this at some point, I think. Um, we deserve better because we've worked harder. And we're more important. But the point is here is that God kept his agreement. The householder here kept his agreement, his covenant, didn't he? He said, did I not agree with you for a penny a day? Verse 13, I'm not doing you anything wrong. But why are you so upset that I'm being over generous to somebody else? Because I paid you a fair and just and right amount. Why are you then looking at my generosity and giving somebody who's worked just one hour the same amount? And I think for us as knowing we live in a capitalist society where we, you know, we're, we're told to stand up for our rights and we, we, we should um, get paid for what we, what we work we, we earn um, according to effort and time which in, in a way is sensible isn't it but this, this is a different kind of perspective isn't it this is, the, this is a God who gives over and above generously to others who don't deserve it and yet we stand there saying, this isn't fair. I deserve more. So really it's about less of us, isn't it? And more about the generosity and the love of God in being so kind to others. And it seems to me that we as human beings, we don't like, do we? Generosity being shown to others when we ourselves maybe are not getting quite so much, um, of, you know, we feel more deserving. We don't like that, do we? And that's something which is quite sad, really. But this is the way God works. He will give generously as he sees fit. And he was, he was keeping his side of the bargain. And really, in verse 15, if we just come back finally to verse 15. He says, is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is your eye evil because I am good? And this really is the difference between God and man. God is good and man is sinful and evil. And here's the last verse of this parable, verse 16. And this is, again, Jesus talking to us. This makes it relevant to us. So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few are chosen. And we talked, didn't we, about, about God going out through the ages, every hour, calling people, calling the undeserving to be in the kingdom. Many are called, but few are chosen. So the lesson here, really, for me is, the love and the generosity and the goodness of God. And how do we respond to that? Are we looking at others and saying, well, well, what about them? Why are they so deserving? Or are we looking at ourselves and being so grateful for what God has offered to us? To call us to his wonderful kingdom. So then, just to finish, let's turn over please to John chapter 3. Final verse. And you probably don't need to turn this one up because it's um, what the world famous verse in John chapter 3 we read it this morning didn't we and verse 16 but just think about these words in the context of 
love and forgiveness that God gives and extends to us. God so loved the world, John 3.16, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So, friends, God has, he's willing to forgive us an unpayable debt, the debt of sin that leads to death. When we disobey his laws, God is willing to forgive us that. He's prepared to totally forget our past. But he expects us to forgive others too in the way that we've been forgiven. Our second parable, God wants us to be in his kingdom. He's reaching out to us, the undeserving. He's fair and he's just in his offer of salvation. And two questions for us. How will we behave in response to this? And how will we respond? We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe, and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk. Christadelphians.org.uk.